the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We understand we can be covered by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself. You're on a journey to God's best, here and forever. And though we're not there yet, he's promised that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He will always be with you. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Moses was the leader, and he was taking heat, incoming fire. And if you want to be a leader, just be aware of that. The one who calls the shots takes the shots. So Moses was taking the shots. But he then began to complain. That's the inference here. He began to whine. Because God says, why are you crying to me? I've already told you what to do. Go forward. And this becomes really the central thing to what it means to live for God, that you press on even when you don't feel like it, even when you can't see him working, even when you don't understand. You keep on keeping on. And so Moses is at a place of decision. So God continues. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide it so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory. There it is. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. What have we said? God's going to do whatever it takes to get glory because he wants his name and his fame to grow in this world. That's the key. And the Egyptians shall know I'm the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind him. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Remember, they were guided. That's what we saw in Exodus 13. They were being guided by this fire and this cloud. That's how they knew how to go forward. But now that moved behind them. Why? Because God was saying, I got your back. I'm going to show you the way to go when you need what's in front of you. And I'm going to cover the rear flank when you're struggling with what's behind you. So he came between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and darkness, and it lit up the night without coming near uh, each other all night. And then in verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea uh, by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And then the Egyptians pursued And they went in after them into the midst of the sea and all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. And in the morning watch, 
the Lord in the pillow of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Hey, just a lesson. When you live your life trusting God, letting him fight your battles, the people around you, those that you may feel like are your enemies, those that you feel like you can't get along with, they will even see that he's fighting for you. That's why the writer of Proverbs will say, the Lord makes even your enemies be at peace with you when you trust him. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back on the Egyptians, upon the chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea and the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Wow, what a story, a true story, the Word of God. Now, when I was a college student, I wasn't a religion major, but I took a religion class. I'll never forget what one of the professors said about this passage. He was already a professor that made it clear he didn't really believe the miracles in Scripture. And so we came to this passage. He said, now, class, you know, in this part of the world, there's not really a sea like it's described here. But there is a little stream, and it's called the Reed Sea. So it's about six inches deep. And we believe that this was probably a typo in the manuscripts. And they were crossing this little stream, the Reed Sea. Now, I'm just telling you, in my opinion, that would actually be a greater miracle. Because how in the world would all those Egyptians and all their horses and all their chariots get drowned and destroyed in a six-inch sea? And can you imagine walking through with those big, high six inches walls of water <laughs> protecting you? No, I don't have trouble with that miracle. And let me just give you a lesson about God's Word. We believe this is the authoritative Word of God that has everything you need for life and godliness. That means it is perfect. That means you can trust God's Word. It's without error. That's the kind of truth it is. So when it speaks of miracles, I don't have to understand it. Aren't you thankful that there's a God who is still mysterious to us? Aren't you grateful that you don't have to fit God into a box? And by the way, our faith is based on a miracle. Our faith is based on the idea that God became a man, actually a baby boy. He grew up, he lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross. He was stone cold dead and buried in a borrowed tomb. And yet three, day, three days later, we believe he arose. The only person ever to raise himself from the dead. We also believe that same God, Jesus the Christ, is alive today. If that's the miracle that my faith is founded on, why should I have trouble believing any lesser miracles in Scripture? 
This is a powerful miracle story. And the reason I wanted to spend time on the miracle nature of this story is because some of you need miracles. You need God to do the impossible in your life. You need him to show up in supernatural ways and demonstrate that he is capable, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you've ever asked, dream, or imagined. As Scripture says, as a result of the power that's already at work within you. That's who God is. So how do you go forward? Knowing that, when you look around and you feel like, this is impossible. Between a rock and a hard place. Four things. First, you listen to the word of God. This passage begins by saying, the Lord said to Moses. God initiates the conversation. God is speaking. And I believe God's speaking today. Scripture says he can speak through a donkey, so I would imagine he can even speak through a guy like me. But I know he's speaking to you as you read his word, and that's why I wanted to read that entire story, because this is God's word. And when we read God's word, God is speaking to us. He's initiating conversation, and some of you today, God is initiating a conversation that is drawing you to him. You walked into this place being okay with church, and you're all right listening to a preacher, but you don't really have a relationship with God, but he's speaking to you. Maybe he's saying, come to me. Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe he's saying, turn around. I don't know what he's saying, but he's speaking. This passage also teaches us that God is steering. He's guiding. That's what his word tells us. He will show us the way. He's the guide. You don't have to be confused. The proverb says over and over again that we make our plans, but it's God who guides our step. That when I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I lean not in my own understanding, when I acknowledge him in all my ways that he guides, that he directs my path. What was he up to? Well, he wanted honor from the Pharaoh. He wanted praise from the people. And so he was steering them in the path they needed to go so that he might get his ultimate purpose. We've already learned that in Scripture. As Christians, we like to quote quote Romans 8, 28, for we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But we learn that truth in Genesis. In Genesis 50, we see Joseph, who's there with his brothers, and he's been elevated to this high position in Egypt. His brothers have now come to him in desperation. They realize who he he is, and they're afraid. They're afraid that Joseph, their brother, is going to take their life like they attempted to do with his. But Joseph says this in Genesis 50, do not fear for what you intended for evil. God is bringing about for good. And then in Genesis 50, 19, it goes on to say this, so that many would know him. You see, what God's doing for his glory is not just about you. He's bringing about the knowledge of who he is because he wants everybody to know him. That's what the Bible says. He wants everybody, all who live, to know him because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He he just wants you to do that before you have to do that. So he's steering, he's guiding, and then he's also stirring. And and this is interesting to me because in this particular passage, what we see is that he's stirring not only in Moses' heart as a leader, he's stirring in Pharaoh's heart. One of those things in Scripture we still may not understand. Why does God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, 
It has to be that he's attempting to bring about greater glory for himself. And that just lets me know that when I walk through difficult times, I had better not assume that's always the devil. Because God may be allowing me to walk through a trial. He may be allowing me to walk through a challenge. He may be allowing me to be in the battle so that I might be developed for the destiny that he's got planned. So how do you hear from God? How do you hear him speak to you? Well, you get in his word. And you spend time listening as you pray. But there's a second thing. Not only do we listen to the word of God, we also seek the will of God. And so what's being laid out in this passage is whether or not the children of Israel will be obedient to that which God had planned. Will they seek the will of God? Moses is telling them what to do, but will they do it? And in order to seek the will of God, you have to make a decision. First, that means you have to trust when you cannot see. That's what faith is. It's the opposite of unbelief. Hebrews teaches us that, that, that faith is advancing, it's moving forward when we cannot see what's going on. Some would say that unbelief is a result of only seeing what is visible. I love Chuck Swindoll's comment, those who focus on the negative and measure life strictly on the basis of the seen, the obvious, they live in the vice grip of fear because they're not trusting. I want to remind you today that God thrives on impossible situations. So when you don't see a way out, he's still working. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. But not only did they have to accomplish his will by trusting they had to be willing to go your faith has to move into action they had to go where they had not gone david livingstone said i'll go almost anywhere as long as it's forward it's this idea of being more excited about where you're going than where you've been And, and there's some of you stuck in the past it's okay to celebrate what god's done in the past but that's in your past where's he leading you what's he got in store for you what's what's in the future what is he up to Are you living for the glory of God? Now, I want to just take a time out and pause because I think there are some common things that keep us from going on with God and seeking his will. Let me just give those to you. The first is cowardice. We're cowards. We don't trust him. We we live like we're afraid. That was something the children of Israel struggled with. But second is complaining. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you don't realize it, so perhaps you should ask some people in your family or the people you work with, am I a complainer? Maybe you need to do what Zig Ziglar used to teach. Take a checkup from the neck up. Have an attitude adjustment. 
Maybe you need reminding that it's your attitude, not your aptitude, not how much you know that determines your altitude. And some of you need that attitude adjustment. You don't have the attitude of Christ. You're a complainer. You always see the glass half empty. Maybe you're a complainer. Maybe you're focused on comfort. That was a problem for the children of Israel. They didn't want to leave what they knew. I see this all the time in church. God's calling you to do something. He's encouraging you to step out in faith, to do a new thing. And yet it's scary, isn't it? Because you're comfortable. And you allow yourself to just hang out in what you know is not God's best. But it's comfortable. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself compromising. Children of Israel did that too. They said to Moses, we'll we'll go back to Egypt. That wasn't God's plan. That was their intent. And when you choose your way over God's way, you always end up in trouble. And that leads you, frankly, to corruption. They went as far as to say, we will serve the Pharaoh. Can you believe that? They're the children of God. They're the one who are being led out into God's promise that we still acknowledge today all these thousands of years later. And yet they were so compromised they were willing to do what they knew were, what was wrong. Well, if you want to go forward with God, you have to seek his will and be a person of conviction. So let me just remind you how you become that person of conviction doing the will of God. I like to tell you there are five ways to know and do the will of God. Number one, get into his word. We've already established that. Number two, prayer. Talk to God and then listen to what he's saying. Number three, do what you're doing today. Submit yourself to the authority of the teaching of God's perfect word. Because sometimes when others explain it, if they're being true to the word of God, it helps us make decisions. Number four, seek wise biblical counsel. Find elders that have gone on before you, that have walked this path, this journey. And as they look at God's word, seek their wisdom. And number five, look at the circumstances of your life and see where God's at work. See where God's at work and get in on what he's doing. Where's God at work in in your workplace? Where's God at work in your family? Where's God at work in our church? Let me just give you one example. I was out of town last week and Pastor Zach sent me a text. And he told me some good news. News that I've heard over and over and over again more than 20 times over the last few years. You see a lady who had come onto this church campus to study English. And had agreed to go to a Bible study just to better understand English as God's word was taught. This lady from an Islamic background had just prayed to receive Christ. God was at work. I could tell you so many stories of the way that God is at work around us. Are you getting in on what he's doing? Are you involved in his work? You've got to listen to the word of God. You've got to seek the will of God. But thirdly, you've got to see the work of God. When you see God at work, you want to get involved. And most of this passage that we read is about the work of God. Remember where Moses raised his staff? But God did the work. God parted the waters. God threw the Egyptians in there. God made their chariot wheels clog up. God was doing the work. And he does that in your life. He shows you the way when you don't know the way, just like he did with the children of Israel. 
He supplies the need when you don't feel like you have the supplies, just like he did with the children of Israel. And he will slay your enemies when you feel like your enemies are getting the best of you, just like he did with the children of Israel. And, and maybe you've come today and, and, and you're in a season that's hard because you've been under abuse or, or you've been abandoned or you've been betrayed. You're a victim of some sort of crime against you. And I would just remind you that God is a God of justice. And while justice is sometimes delayed, it's never denied by God. He will always make things right. God is saving his people. And that's what we're about here too. God is in the business of saving us, delivering us, so that he might develop us, so that he might move us to our destiny. But there's a fourth thing I don't want you to miss. We listen to the word of God. We seek the will of God. We see the work of God. And then we celebrate the wonder of God. (laughs) I was hanging out this week with my friend, Pastor Larry. Pastor's an African-American church in our area. We're just getting to know each other better. And this was kind of just a conversation over some really good soul food and just learning from each other. And I said, hey, Larry, you know, I watch a lot of African-American preachers. And I notice a lot of them, um, man, when they get to the end of a message, by the time they get to the end, they're singing. I mean, they start singing, and there's a cadence, and there's a tone, and then out of the blue, like from heaven, an organ starts playing. And Pastor Larry's pretty mild-mannered, and I said, you don't do that, do you? He said, oh, yeah, every Sunday. I said, really? I said, tell me about the heritage of that. And uh, as we celebrate in, in this season, just uh, African heritage and, and black history, you know, he said that that actually is something that has come from Africa, that cadence and that tone that came with the teaching of God's word. But he said there was a specific reason. And it was interesting to me because he used some terms I'm familiar with. He said, you know, when we teach, we make sure we're giving explanation of the scripture. And then we want to give illustration so that people understand how these biblical things are true today. And then we may also give some application, how you can apply it in your life. But he said, we believe that after we've pointed out the truth of Scripture and pointed people to Jesus and let them see how wonderful it is, then we want to go to a time of celebration. And we want, we want people to be excited. And it hit me, you know, that's the way it should be. And so we're taking a free will offering at the end of this message for a Hammond B3 organ. No, just kidding. Not really. But I, if, you, if you feel led, we'll do it. But anyway... Uh, I'm just telling you, when you encounter God, when he stirs in your heart, when he shows up and demonstrates that he can get you through what he's brought you to, that should drive you to a place of celebration. It should make you want to praise him. It should make you want to just honor him. You acknowledge that God is the way maker, that he is sovereign, that he is able, and that he does this even when you don't understand. And so I want you to see something. This chapter ends in verse 30 and 31. It says, thus says the Lord, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. These are facts. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, just like God said they would. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Now God got his way. And let me just remind you, God will get his way. Always. He got his way, he got the glory, and people knew that he was the Lord. If you flip over to the next chapter, you know what chapter 15 is? This is pretty cool. It's a song. 
It's a song from the people, the children of Israel, after God's brought them through on dry land. They sing about him, and they're like, we did it. We did it. God's good. He's all. I mean, they're singing, however they sing. They're singing a song of praise. They're just pointing to him. They're celebrating what God has done and who he was. And I pray that God leads you to that place, that he, he brings you through those rock and hard place moments in such a clear way that you can celebrate him with sincerity. So let me just give you some takeaways and then we'll pray. What do I learn from this? Number one, God is constantly challenging us to get us out of our comfort. You're going to have times where you're between that rock and a hard place. I mean, think of Moses. He had the Egyptians behind him, the Red Sea in front of him, and a bunch of sorry, complaining, murmuring Israelites all around him. So his only choice was to look to God. And just like the children of Israel, our only hope for crossing over into his best is his grace. That's our only hope. He's got to make a way. But he does that. He makes a way where there seemed to be no way. He did that through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. So look to Jesus. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.